Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome in to episode 17 of the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. You can hear every VCU men's basketball game right here on 910 The Fan, and the Rams are A-10 tournament champs. I'm Adam Epstein, alongside Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. The four of us, the crew, were in New York at the Barclays Center to watch the Rams cut down the nets. What an awesome, fun weekend. Just so happy for the guys that we could take home the championship after winning the regular season. And then just an awesome weekend where the guys were clicking on all cylinders. It was just great to see. So happy for Coach Rhodes and so happy for the players. Awesome weekend. Just just like Caleb said, man, uh, you know, I got up there Friday, so I saw the semifinals in the title game. But uh, seeing VCU get picking a third in the A-10, and then they win that regular season. And it's, oh, hey, you know, Dayton might win the conference tournament or maybe George Mason or Duquesne or Sleepers. We kind of beat the crap out of both Davidson and St. Louis to get to Dayton. And then the second half against Dayton, we just rolled. Man, it was awesome, awesome experience. VCU fans showed up. Um, I know there's been some complaints the last few years about home crowds. Not as much this year. Last year, though, they showed up to Brooklyn. It was awesome, awesome experience. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Came together at the end of the season. Just started shooting the three great. Just great energy. Just old school VCU basketball peaking at the right time. Nine wins in a row. Amazing experience in Brooklyn. Yeah, I think you have to give Coach Rhodes so much credit. This team fights through adversity. They've been a second half ball club all year long, and they made a lot of adjustments. But then Dayton started the second half hot, got out to an 11-point lead, and the Rams somehow made that vanish. They made it disappear. I don't know how. I guess it started with the Nick Kern alley-oop, but it just felt like Man, every time down the court, we were just chipping away at that lead. Yeah, the Kern alley-oop to me was definitely the game-changer. And I think, you know, Rhodes talks about how together this team is, and that's what you saw. You saw that adversity was really nothing to them. The Ducks back, they were ready to go. Um, 11-point lead meant nothing to them. And then, uh, you know, they got a few stops, hit some shots. Uh, The momentum was totally in our favor, and we didn't really look back after that. I want to get your guys' thoughts on the celebrations. Like, how did Nick Curran get that championship belt and rock around, walk around with it on the court? That was awesome. So Caleb's sitting two rows in front of me at the game, and he just like looks at me. He's like, oh, it was Deloach. I think Deloach right away had the belt. Then Curran kind of wore it for like five minutes. He was like, dude, look at Deloach's belt. Yeah. Um, I imagine that came from the total package. I, Ryan, I I'm pretty like, positive. I imagine. But like, how did that get there? That's the question. But it was awesome. It was just like organic. But like the in, the streamers coming, the streamers confetti coming down, uh, the music. It was just awesome. And the Rams won the 8-10 regular season by three games. Going into Brooklyn, we knew we had to win three games in four days with the Friday day off. And it started on Thursday. Caleb and I were at the game. Uh, Davidson, you know, close game throughout the first half, but VCU's defense was just smothering in the second half of that one. Yeah, I felt pretty comfortable uh, throughout the game. Chris was sitting right by me, too. And, um, yeah, I just felt like our defense, they weren't getting really many great looks. Um, and we were hitting our shots, so I, I felt pretty comfortable with that game. Yeah, it was just kind of surprising just to have like a cruising game. Um, they were up n- nine at half and just um, scored them outside or scored them by nine in the second half. Also, one by 18. It's just smooth sailing and, t- and a day off, so I had 48 hours to until the next game, so it was smooth sailing there. Yeah, the biggest thing I noticed was Three 11-point scores in Ace Baldwin, David Shriver, and Jameer Watkins. Once again, the bench army takes over with 30 points compared to Davidson's 12. Connor, what were your biggest takeaways? Ten blocks. Jalen Deloach had four blocks. Uh, Jameer Watkins, who we will probably talk a lot about on this pod today, but three blocks. Uh, you know, Chris mentioned nine-point lead at the half. Uh, I was never worried. I was worried ahead before the game just because Davidson, hey, what if they finally get hot? But they just <laughs> It's the weirdest thing. They cannot shoot. But we were just blocking their shots. We are so much more athletic than they were. And it was fun to have the opening round game just kind of be a 
relaxing win. No, no nerves, you know? Yeah, I think the other critical piece was our bench had 30 points and they had 12. Um, I was lucky enough to go on the radio at uh, Black Forest uh, after with, with uh, Adam. And uh, yeah, those are the two things I think that we talked about the most was the bench points and the blocks. It was just great defense and, you know, great production for my guys on the bench. Yeah, that's my favorite radio show of the week because I did live shows Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But Thursday from about 2.15 to 3 p.m., at Black Forest, Brooklyn, where it was packed with Ram fans. Shout out to you guys, Chris and Caleb, for making some noise because I thought it sounded really great on the radio. I heard it from a few people listening in Richmond. They were like, man, it seems like you're doing your show from a freaking party. So that was awesome. <laughs> it was great. Shout out to that restaurant and bar. Yeah. Perfect like two-minute walk from the stadium, just, just like the DKH one or whatever it was before, DKB. Dank pretzels, too. I got pretzels <laughs> twice. I got, I got it on uh, – Saturday morning and Saturday night, now that I think about it, before the St. Louis <laughs> and after the St. Louis game. Well, they told me Quality when I was pretzel. doing my show it was the softest pretzel in the country. And so I do kind of agree. It, I mean, it was very soft. It was very tasty. And then Friday, we had a day off. We didn't really know what to do, Caleb. What was the vibe in your mind on Friday? Honestly, I enjoyed it. You know, already being up there on Thursday, it was just a day to relax and kind of enjoy things. Um, and then, you know, we got – obviously, we got a ton more fans into town – and, uh, yeah, it just provided a nice travel day for those people that couldn't make it during the week. And uh, I think that VCU, at, you know, after Friday really showed up fans-wise. Yep, absolutely. And that takes us to our Saturday Saturday semifinal matchup, St. Louis against VCU from the Barclays Center. Connor, I want to get your thoughts on Saturday as a whole outside of just the VCU game because a lot of people were complaining about Friday, and I was one of them. But when you got to Saturday, and it ended up being VCU-St. Louis and Dayton-Fordham, the excitement was there, and the Barclays Center was rocking. Barclays was a great experience Saturday. Um, you know, from a contingency of all, all fans, St. Louis had the least amount of fans there, and that's you know cross-country journey or, or travel and whatnot. But uh, the environment was great. I imagine, you know, I wasn't there Thursday. I imagine there were more VCU fans on Saturday than there were on Thursday. But as a team effort, we, we kind of sent a message early on. Like, we weren't, you know, Shriver's hitting threes. None's hitting threes. Guys were just raining threes early on. Now, St. Louis cut, cut it down. I think it was at five or six of the half. Yeah. Five. five. Yeah, five of the half. And then we jump out of the gate and we just blow him out in the second half. None. The the dunk towards the end of the game where he's, like, hanging on the rim for safety reasons. And he's like, all right, I might as well just keep hanging on it. I, I want a technical. They're not going to call it, but I want a technical. We just told, you know, go back to the Midwest. You know, we're, we just swept you guys three times this year. You know, screwed the St. Louis Cardinals while we're at it. Screw, <laughs> screw the Billikens. We just we punch them in the mouth and got a win. Yeah, I um sitting there at halftime. I was like, we're only up five. When I looked at the scoreboard, it well, just we felt a, like we, we were had up a so seventeen point lead, right. I believe. And, and I was um you know not thrilled that we that we kind of you know threw that away. Um, but then we came out, and a lot of times I just feel like the first four minutes of the second half really determine how uh, uh, how the, a game is going to end up. Is it going to be close? Are you going to win by double figures? And uh, we came out like Connor said, we kind of punched him in the mouth right at the beginning of that second half, and and extended that lead and made things comfortable. The offense was incredible. I think that was our uh, our high-scoring game of the season. Uh, what is it? One, two, three. Six guys in double figures. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just great output from from everyone. Yeah, I love how Coach Rhodes is so honest with the guys. The pe- post-game press conference, he said that at halftime, VCU up 44-39. to 39. He said to the guys, if we give up 39 points to St. Louis, we're not going to win. Facts. We have to rebound better. We have to defend better. Now, he said they did get goofy towards the last three minutes of the game there and did end up giving up 79, uh, or excuse me, 39 and 39, 78 total points against St. Louis. But we scored 46 in the second half, ended up with 90. The offensive explosion from Jaden Nunn, from Jameer Watkins, like you said, six guys in double figures. We shot nine of 19 from three point range. That was probably our best offensive game of the entire season. Yes. VC never gets to 90, yeah, and none three for three on threes, and Shriver three for four, so that was yeah, huge. Yeah, J- Jaden Nunn's game was just incredible from the fact that he's on Uri Collins while Ace is on uh, Gibson Jimerson, and then he goes off for 18. Um, I don't know how many he had in the second half, but it felt like he was just hitting cl- clutch three after clutch three. He and had, then, oh, uh, yeah, he had he 10 in a four-minute stretch yeah. right out of the second half. Yeah, 10 t- yeah. He hit his own 10-hour run. Yep. Yep. And, and Yuri Collins, he forced into six turnovers. Yuri got his, himself a double-double, 12 points, 10 assists. Uh, but you look around the squad there, they only had 14 assists, which means he had 10 of them. And yep. I just felt like the entire 
offensive game for St. Louis was a lot of just pounding the rock into the ground and not really going anywhere with it. And they were hitting a couple threes in yeah. the first half there to, to keep it close. But in the second half, we were just too powerful. Yeah, what's crazy is they went nine for 20 from three, and you still win by double digits. I mean, that's uh, I mean that's that says a lot about the rest of your defense. And that sets us up with the championship game on Sunday. Connor, you were up at like 7 a.m. on Sunday. You were ready to rock. I was doing uh, – when I was walking with some friends over from Big Man's, the bar down the street, I was uh, kind of doing some like lunges and whatnot, getting loose and whatnot. It was, it was a lot of fun, man. But, uh, yeah, the game, I was, you know, I was a little anxious. I was, you know, just feeling it. I was kind of – it took like 15 laps around the Barclays Center when I first got there just to kind of kind of <laughs> keep the energy going. I wasn't, I wasn't any drinking any alcohol or anything. But, uh, you know, the first half, I was telling, telling everyone at halftime, I thought we were playing not to lose in the first half. Not badly, but just not – we weren't controlling the tempo. We weren't I, – I felt like we were reacting the whole time. So my take on the first half was – Jalen DeLoach saw the Brandon Johns Jr. got into foul trouble, and he played defense scared in he the did, first half. Definitely, he he gave away some layups where I understand you don't want to foul someone, but it was kind of like mm, contested a little more, man. But I, I I think that's a good take. Yeah, I'm with. I, I just think in the second half we played so much stronger, and they didn't let the foul trouble get to their head. But I also would say, you know. We played well in that first half, even to be down by six to Dayton. Dayton's a good team, and Kamara ha- only had six points in the game, but Deron Holmes is an NBA player. He's played all 40 minutes, and I thought he had his best game of the season against us. Yeah, if it were not for Holmes and Amzeal, they would have been absolutely blown out. Um, like, yeah, it was it was nice to finally contain Kamara one time. Oh, yeah, just felt like Amzeal made more than six free throws, but he made all six, and all of them, like, rimmed front out. It, it was always a front-end backboard in. Yeah, soft, yeah. soft touch. Yeah. No, he was he was actually really good. I said before the game in my pregame show the X Factors was going to be Amzeal against Shriver, and Shriver lost that matchup 17 to nothing, and VCU <laughs> still won the game by 12 points. Yeah. Uh, you got to give J- Jameer Watkins a ton of credit. I was watching the game, and as soon as Jameer checked into the game, I think he scored his first possession, and I said to Ben, who was sitting next to me, I said, this is going to be the Jameer Watkins game. If VCU wins, I like him to have an explosion because he wins his individual matchup against Dayton. Yeah, I mean, he had an incredible game all the way around. Clutch rebounds, um, obviously 13 points. Um, some massive threes. There was, I think it was three minutes left. We were up four, maybe two and a half. And uh, he gets the ball in the wing. Got to give him credit and for. He doesn't hesitate and drills a three that puts us up seven with, yeah, like two, two and some change left. And I think that at that point, Dayton realized that it was curtains. Got to give him credit for three fouls drawn also. I think two of those were on Kamara, uh, which got him. As soon as Kamara. Got had to come out in and out of the game with foul trouble, and then he did eventually foul out. I liked our chances. And it's the Connor theory about Jameer. Like if he sees his first shot go in, he's like yeah. good to go the rest of the game. If he misses it, it's off. And he made nine threes total throughout the weekend, so he was on fire. Obviously, it goes without saying that our guards totally locked up theirs. I mean, Brea with zero. Malachi Smith hit a three of the game, didn't score after that. Blackney, I think, had one basket. Um, I mean, our yeah, our perimeter defense is just lights out. I think they shot 13% from from three. Um, and I think, you know, you can score in the paint. You know, you don't want to let them score every possession. But if, if you limit them to just paint points, you've got a good chance to win the game. And I think that's what Rhodes' uh, game plan was. A lot of their threes, especially in the second half, were short. You could just tell their legs were a little worn out as soon as we started humming, uh, which, you know, a team starts missing threes. That's one thing, but so many of them. I remember Malachi Smith had one. It was like barely on the front end of the front end of the rim. You start shooting short threes. That's me, that means the, the defense is wearing you down, which is exactly what happened. None did that. Ace did that. Zeb, he didn't play as much, but he did that too. Yeah, and Ace with kind of a quietly impressive stat line of sixteen points, seven assists. He just made you know the open shot. Like they left him open uh, from three twice. He buried it. He missed the other ones where there was a guy in his face. Uh, he had the assisted the Jameer Watkins play. He had the best pass of the game, which was what I thought was uh, the pick and roll to Jalen Deloach to go up by two, where he he could have you know Dayton was trying to get charge fouls drawn. I thought St. Louis was doing the exact same thing. Davidson not as much, but people were trying to flop on VCU and the body control from our Rams, including Jalen Deloach, was really impressive. Now, I just think that one thing we should highlight is Jalen Deloach's performance, 13-10 and 10 against probably two NBA players. Um, you know, I just thought that, you know, he, he didn't get a ton of blocks, um, but, I mean, what, two? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, two. 
He, but I thought that he just did a great job in, in the interior, just walling up and keeping it, making it hard at least for Holmes uh, and Kamara. They had to earn their baskets. Those five offensive rebounds he had, I bet two or three of those were tip backs too. Him, him and Watkins both had a, like they both had five offensive rebounds. Both both of them were getting t- uh, tip backs. Which yeah, we, got were, extra we were hustling. Extra, those are extra possessions there, which are just so huge in a title game. Yeah, so. right. No, you're so you're so right, man. I mean, it's all about just getting an extra look at the basket. Every rebound matters in March. Now let's hand it off to the professor who took in three games at the A10 from the Barclays Center. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, crowd rating. So my 30th birthday was Thursday. I saw some family cousins um, who lived in Manhattan, one north of George Washington Bridge, one in the Upper East Side, had an aunt from Massachusetts come down. Also had a friend, Ted, who does the podcast art. He surprised me, um, flew in from Denver. So special weekend. The whole podcast crew was up there. It felt like a college reunion. So awesome time. In terms of crowd size, Davidson, it was 11.30 a.m. I said this on the radio, um, but it was amazing that many people got up there that early. And we had a way bigger crowd than Davidson. So that was an A. Um, And then a whole Friday day to get up there. And then we had maybe triple the size of Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Even more people came up um, who didn't go Saturday, like Murph got there Sunday. So um, Peppas were excellent. Just the, we kind of, once they went on like that 10 0 run in the second half, it was like vintage VCU, just getting steals, switching threes. The crowd, you could, uh, was getting into it. You could see um, just the Dayton getting rattled, but. Um, the only thing was it didn't look like there's a rowdy Ram bus. So it was all alums, which did great work. Um, yeah, I saw a post on social media. I forget the girl's name, but she was like posting from the student section was her and a bunch of friends. They were all 27 or 28 years old. And and we want to give a big shout out to the alumni crew that came, Mm -hmm. but we do need more from the students. Right. And then the other thing that also is impacting, I'm giving it an A, not an A plus, just one factor student, second factor, the Fordham atmosphere was electric like that was like a it felt sold out the lower bowl there's like five thousand students it was like roaring every time tony reale from around the horn the host was there it's just like electric atmosphere so that's like a plus but we were very close great job ram nation give me a review on the food chris because um our boy oh my gosh i'm forgetting his name now Dude, dude that did the art. How how's Ted, 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 Ted. Ted. Yeah. I was gonna call him Timmy. Uh, <laughs> Ted did not like the chicken fingers. Did Ooh. you eat any of them? What did you I think? did not, but Zan got like twenty five and yeah, <laughs> he got twenty five. It's the biggest thing a chicken tenders I've ever seen. But. Did you he try was, it? He was Hell inhaling yeah. chicken tenders. Yeah, it was good. It was great. Chicken was okay. excellent, dude. It, all right. dude all right. Teddy I didn't mean, eat it's, much. it's a little heavy on the bread, but you know, it's good. Yeah. We we've got to take it into account for the crowd rating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm giving it to the um, Black Forest, my food review. That was pretty good, like bratwurst and stuff. Schnitzel. And like, schnitzel, yeah, that's what it yeah, was. You got, so, didn't you get a that's schnitzel? That's A+. Plus. I did, yeah. Okay, I'll get a that schnitzel. was awesome. That was yeah. the first time I'd had it. it was and, awesome. and while we're talking about the crowd, yeah, another shout-out to, to Ryan, the band director. The Peppas really did show out. They were freaking awesome. Um, they put on a show uh, from the opening whistle on Thursday to cutting down the nets on Sunday. They were rocking. I'm not going to make fun of the other schools there. But our band, when you put the two in comparison, I mean, it, any of them from this weekend, it just it, there is no comparison. There, the I mean, the the sound, the music selection, it's all just I mean, the best, bar none. You know, we're at a, we're at a rock show. Everyone else is it's a high school pet band. That, exactly. That's yeah, I think that's a great. Way it's to just play. it's we 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 come ready to party. Uh, I mean, here in. Uh, my hero, our hero by Foo Fighters when Mike was cutting that in the nets, which is an awesome song in general, but it's so the Peppas do such a great job with it. So great. Uh, the second time I've got to hear Empire State of Mind while working on the nets, other time was 2015. Both times it gave me chills because, like, it's a fun song. Came out when I was in high school, but like, you're in New York, you're cutting on the nets, you're at Barclays, you're in Brooklyn, yeah, VCs. 
and the Peppas are rocking. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to give a shout-out to Roger Sherman uh, from The Ringer, who I was sitting next to. And I don't know if you guys saw, he went viral on social media just posting videos of the Peppas uh, playing Anti Up mm-hmm. and all the music that they were playing. And also a shout-out to like the lead guitarist, who was just rocking like it was the last time he was ever going to play that guitar in his life. And at one point, he was so overcome by emotion that he was literally, like, he wouldn't stop playing, and he was crying. Tears were falling out of his face and he's still jamming away he looked like he should have been like in an acdc in like the (laughs) 70s or 80s that dude was awesome all weekend yeah absolutely so that was our crowd review now let's get the box score breakdown and more from the stat monster caleb jones what in god's holy name are you blathering about let's hand it off to caleb jones the stat monster All right, so we're going to look at our key stats we've been following all season um, and see how we did in the tournament. Um, so the first being 12 turnovers or less a game and Ace Baldwin having an assist-to-turnover ratio of 2-to-1 or better. We had 12 turnovers against Dayton Davidson, 12 turnovers against St. Louis, and 6 against Dayton. We did a great job wow. taking care of the ball the entire tournament. Ace had a 6-to-2 uh, assist-to-turnover ratio against Davidson, 6-to-4 against St. Louis, and seven to one against Dayton. Again, we did a great job protecting the ball and uh, sharing it. We had 18 assists against Davidson, 19 against St. Louis, and 17 against Dayton, which I'm going to touch on in a minute um, and how important that is to the, our success as a team. Our Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency rating uh, ranking is up to 17th in the country. Wow. So a top 20 defense on the season for your VCU Rams. Just awesome. Uh, the offense jumped up to 140, which is a massive spike, too. I think we jumped up 20 spots from uh, the 160 range. So, I mean, yeah, the offense is starting to click. The defense is awesome. And uh, I think, yeah, I mean, that's a recipe for a lot of success. Um, lastly, um, how many fouls per game on Jalen Deloach? Because we absolutely need him anchoring the paint. He had three against Davidson, four against St. Louis, and three against Dayton. Great job. I thought that... He, especially when Brandon Johns got in foul trouble against Dayton, that we were screwed. He did a great job keeping his nose out of the, out of foul trouble and uh, you know and staying in pretty much the whole game. Also, he drew six fouls against Dayton. Yeah. That's why we won that game. Yeah. Because you know, one of our bigs was in foul trouble. That's just facts with Brandon Johns. He played six minutes in the first half, but we took it to them in the second half and got their best player, who I think is uh, even better than Jerron Holmes, Tamani Kamara, to foul out. Yeah, huge. Um, so what what went right for us in in uh, Brooklyn? And I think 18 assists per game that we averaged over those three games is certainly part of it. And then our shooting was red hot. We went, let's see, 42% against Davidson, 47 against St. Louis, 47% against Dave, Dayton. Um, so I was curious – how much of a predictor assists per game were for our success. Get this, guys. We are 27-0 and when we have over 14 assists a game. We are 4-6 and when we have less than 10 assists a game. In every game that we have at least 15 assists, our margin of victory was double digits. Wow. Take that for data. I would say, like, they're getting the open shots all year. It's just a matter of like making those threes because that like skyrockets the assists. So if Absolutely. we can get hot from three, I mean, we're like but not only dangerous. That, it's yeah. like the ball movement that leads it for to sure. The three it's a, than, it's all synergistic. I right. mean, it, yeah. it all if you're taking a three off the dribble or around a screen, your chances of making it are a lot less than if a guy hits you with an open pass. Yeah, for sure. So in all but one loss, we had under 12 assists. In the uh, 12 games, we had 12 games with over 15 assists. Guess what our margin of victory was? 17.8 points. We're absolutely smacking people when we have over 15 points a game. And this wasn't this wasn't just beating up people in the non-con that sucked and were, was, was, were at home. That was only two games. The rest was all in conference. So if we can share the ball, if we can pass it, you know, more than 15 times a game and score off those assists, um, we're going to keep rolling. Yeah, and defensively, how good were we in those three games? I mean, awesome. Uh, so that's a good question. They, uh, you know, I think that three-point shooting percentage for the opponent is definitely a predictor on how well they're playing offensively. Um, 
Davidson was 25%. St. Louis had a good game at 45%, but we killed them. Um, and they were more elsewhere. they were like 60% in the first half. Yeah. And uh Dayton was 13%. So if we can defend the three-point line and uh we're going to get you know, we're going to get into this when we talk about St. Mary's, but that's that's an absolute must. Uh, our friend uh, George Mason fan, through, uh, friend of the pod, PD Buckets, awesome guy. He he tweeted when Saint we went on a run against St. Louis in the second half. He tweeted he was like BCU's not even they're not even good right now. They're just a vibe. That's what he tweeted because <laughs> we were just running all over the court and stuff. It, it, and he's a visual watcher and he's just he he, he could just tell we had a pepper step. To me, it's like when Nick Kern has that smile on his face because like let's face it, I love Nick Kern. I would hate to play against him. I feel like every every opponent hates playing against him because he's never stops moving. He's got a little got a little smirk on his face, like he's about to just dunk on on your butt right now. Uh-huh. Um, just awesome. It, it was such an awesome weekend. Hearing those stats this weekend, the three point shooting, it was so much fun. And I just I love. I, I want to thank you for for your stat work this year. Um, and it sounds so much better right now as we the second week of March than it did when we were like barely beating Howard and Radford in December. I just I love hearing it right now. Yeah, I mean, the team's uh, really, really clicking offensively. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope we can keep that rolling. Absolutely, yeah. We're not done yet as the Rams won the A-10 regular season by three games and then won the A-10 championship by 12 after the contest. I asked Coach Mike Rhodes, who has now won 27 games in a season, his most of all time, what the win meant to him. I'm just super, super proud of the guys. Uh, I'm, you know, for for a coach, and I've been fortunate to experience this before. Um, I think in coaching, you you want to win. But what becomes bigger than the the win and the destination is the journey with these guys. What I'm most proud about, and and I'm super proud of winning a championship, Adam. What I'm most proud about that you guys don't know and you don't see is how much we've come from June 4th when we got together, how much we grew. Uh, a lot of people counted us out when we were five and four, man. Lots. I didn't care about that. That's stuff that don't bother me. But I knew this team. I really liked the pieces we had in the summer. I liked how well they got along. I loved the edge they played with. Um, we had to make some adjustments early in the year. We were playing through our big guys on the perimeter too much. We had to change that. A couple of guys were, fly, were throwing shots up there all the time. We had to change some, some uh, efficiency on the offensive end, shooting the ball, taking better shots. But nobody took it personal. They want to win. And so that journey part for me, that, that, that was the growth. And watching them turn into this team, that was, that's, that's been really cool for me. Love that answer from Coach Rhodes. Caleb, my biggest takeaway was, you know, we talk about the growth from this team from October to March. He brought it back all the way to June when they first got together. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's good that you bring that up because the, the whole journey part, people don't have an appreciation for. And that this is what makes Mike Rhodes such a good coach because at this level, when you get those 15 guys in the gym, all of these guys are super talented. And for him to see – this you know when you know when he gets all those guys in june and he's like all right this is a group that i can work with he had a vision he had a vision exactly and uh you know when times times get tough and there's some adversity i think that this is again why mike rhodes is so good because he is a guy that's all about facing adversity head on and in and, and and pushing through stuff and doing it together as a team and i mean people talk about chemistry all the time I mean, Mike Rhodes is really about that, and I think it made all the difference in this season. Uh, it's ditto what Caleb said on, on, on the words Mike Rhodes is using and whatnot. But uh, you know, he he kind of mentioned we were five and four. Some guys gave some people gave up on us, and uh, I never gave up on the team. But uh, I'll be honest, when we were five and four, I, I was having questions about the staff. Were they up to the challenge? Uh, last week, in our final thoughts last week, I said, "Hey, as a staff, you need you have to win this Thursday game." Some some VCU fans think you can't win the big game, and uh, quite frankly, um, I was wrong. A lot of VCU fans were wrong, and um, the team and the staff basically told us to go shove it. And um, I got to eat crow now. I, th- I thought the staff wasn't doing wasn't doing a good job in December, and uh, I was wrong. And I'm I'm glad I was wrong. And, and Chris, really, the offensive efficiency—they were just taking so many better shots at the end of part of the season. Where he's right at the beginning of the season, I don't know if it was a little bit of me ball, but it, it was guys trying to make a mark here at VCU. Where now they're playing for the team, you know. And everyone knows their roles now. Like, okay, this is what I do. I take this type of shot. Oh, you're going to move there. Now you like have that chemistry down like nine months in. And 
I was a hater too at five and four. I was like, oh, who cares if they like each other? They're five and four. And like, <laughs> but now he, it's great to hear him. It sounds like he's getting emotional. Like he's so proud of the team and like choking up. So great job, Mike. Yeah. And Chris, you're a guy that you said on the podcast, give me a postseason win, right? Yeah. Now you have a championship. I was like, it's all about NCAA appearances and this successful season, no matter what happens the rest of the year, you hang a banner, a 10 in the stew, regular season champs. Like, you can't judge it. That's my lesson to myself. You can't judge it on Wednesday, December 7th. Let the season <laughs> play itself out. I mean, that's a lesson for us all. I think we're all just as guilty of that. And, uh, I mean, I think our biggest, you know, issue with the with the Rams at that time was our offense. And we were like, we need an offensive coordinator. You just bring someone in now. And uh, <laughs> things look different. Things certainly look different. And I don't know who exactly to attribute it to. I think there's a lot of things you can point to. But, um, yeah, kudos to Rhodes. Yeah, he had the vision. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, where you can hear every VCU basketball game. And they will play on Friday at 2 p.m. from Albany, New York, against St. Mary's. But before we get to that, it's time to hand it off to my guy, Connor Bailey, for this week in VCU history. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. March 15th, 2007. The six-seeded Duke Blue Devils versus the 11-seeded VCU Rams. Uh, Duke went 22-9 in the regular season that year, 8-8 eight and eight in the ACC. Probably one of the weaker Duke teams we had seen in a while. Definitely the weakest team since the 96 team the year after Coach K had surgery. But overall, um, after, after the ACC tournament, they were 22-10. and 10. Uh, VCU went 24-6 and six in the regular, se- regular season, 16-2 in the CAA. Won the CAA tournament in dramatic fashion against George Mason. So they were 27-6. and six. Um, So CAA days, the, the final was on Monday. So I had, I had six days off. I was in eighth grade when this happened. But I'm watching the selection show. And right when we got announced to play Duke, I, like, wanted to play Duke. I remember Jamal Sh- junior Jamal Shuler, like, stood up and started clapping. And I was so psyched, man. Getting a chance to play the Duke Blue Devils. Growing up in Virginia, I have a lot of friends that grew up as Duke fans uh, with no correlation to Duke, but that's a different conversation. Um, but it, it was just awesome to play them. So first half was kind of rocky. Duke led 24-12 with about 9.22 to go. VC went on 13-4 run to cut it close. Duke went up 38-32. We tied it. Regardless, Duke takes a 40-38 to lead to half. This game's being played in Buffalo, by the way. Um, also, Anthony Grant, first-year coach at VCU. Should have should have mentioned that, too, who we just beat in the A-10 final. But his first year at VCU killed it all year. Um, Duke also took an 11-point lead in the second half, went up 61-50 with 10.45 to go. We kind of fought back, cut it, cut it to 67-60, hit a couple threes, cut it to 67-66. We didn't take our first lead of the game until 68-67 with six minutes to go. Uh, so back and forth down to the final three minutes, Duke takes a 71-70 lead. Uh, down the stretch, and I've probably watched this at least 100 times on YouTube in my life, but uh, Jesse Pillarosa Sr. Hits a, hits a jumper to take a 72-71 lead. Josh McRoberts, is he still in the NBA now? I don't think so. He was in Charlotte for a while in Portland and all over, but uh, yeah, he had crazy hair in the NBA. He had a good journeyman career. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I'm pretty sure he got in a fight with Coach K after this game. That was the rumor because he left right away. <laughs> he, he he had a good game, but he, he wasn't too happy. But um, McRoberts hits a free throw, tie game, a minute and a half to go. Maynard, who was dogging Greg Paulus all night long, <laughs> hits a little kind of uh, runner jumper with 124 left and actually kind of swung his hand a little bit after the shot and hit John Shire, now coach of Duke in that phase, freshman John Shire, who he got a bloody – remember he got a bloody nose in that game. Yeah. Um, it might be a flagrant one now. It was, it was definitely incidental, but that's all. <laughs> Thank God there was no flagrant ones back in the day. Uh, Pauls makes a layup, ties it up with 106 left. Maynard hits a little bunny because, again, he, he could not be stopped in the second half to take a 76-74 lead with 46 seconds left. McRoberts gets fouled on a rebound, makes one or two free throws. So VCU leads by one with 18 seconds left. Jesse Pelarosa makes a free throw. He gets fouled, makes a free throw, barely misses the second one. It rims out. So we're up two with 16 seconds left. And Jamarcus Nelson just drives right down the VCU defense. I think we played like do not fail. I mean, he went right through that defense. So it's 77, 77 with 10 seconds left. Kevin Harlan take us home. 10 seconds left, and here we go. Maynard, is this the dagger? The star of the game, 
ice water in the veins, the pull-up jumper, nothing but bottom for Maynard. So, VCU picks up a 79-77 win with, the VC, with Maynard hitting the jump shot with 1.8 seconds left. One of the greatest experiences of my life. I'm in my living room with my dad, brother, whole group of guys. It was just so amazing. It was such a big win for the VCU program. Because in the 90s, we, we made the tournament in 96, lost in the first round to Mississippi State. Who was on Mississippi State team? I don't know. Eric Dampier, fun okay, fact. Okay, nice. <laughs> but uh, overall, the 90s were not great. The 04 VCU team that made the tournament that lost to Wake Forest in the first round with Chris Paul, that, that 04 team brought VCU fans back. The 07 team, in my opinion, changed Richmond as a city. Like 2011, that, that, that put us on, that solidified Richmond and nationally got us. But 07 is when, we, when Richmond as a basketball program kind of started to fall a little bit and VCU started to take over in the area. Yeah, growing up in Pennsylvania, I'd never heard of VCU until the Eric Maynard game. Like, it busted my brack, and I was like, oh, what is this Virginia Commonwealth? Like, I had no clue what it was. Like, I wasn't paying that close attention, I guess, in 04, but that was we, when I first remember. Definitely. Yeah. We were we were a known, after that, we were, VCU was at least known as a pro, we were a known mid-major going forward. Plus, we had Maynard for the next few years. Right. Well, uh, that's the crazy thing, looking back to me, is that he was a sophomore on that team? Yes, sophomore from like, Rayford, what? North he, Carolina. And he destroyed the Duke Blue Devils, a senior-heavy squad. 22 points and 8 assists. Um, so he balled out. So you know he had 22 points. Caleb, who do you think was the second-leading scorer in that game? I'm going to say <clears throat> Jamal Schuler. So he was tied with 14 points. He, w- he went 4 for 5 and 3 off the bench. He's a junior off the bench. My dad's buddy Dave Robbins watched the game with us, and before the game he said he's an X-Factor tonight. He can shoot threes off the bench, 4 or 5. So he had 14 points. Someone else had 14 points. B.A. Walker? Uh, looks like he had 10 points, so he was the fourth leading scorer. Pelarosa. Pelarosa, our senior, had 14. A good 14 points, 5 rebounds. Um, and then there's one other player in double figures in that game. Mike Nice. Mike Nice had 10 points and uh, 7 rebounds. So uh, Will Firmini had 8 points. Um you know, a couple guys on the list. Like I already said, Jamal Schuler, Calvin Rowland, who we mentioned last week, yep. played three minutes. TJ Gwynn played 13. Frank Dongo played five. I don't think I've mentioned the next player on this pod. James yet. Eversley. No, but you're close. I see this guy in Richmond a lot. He was short, and he was a VMI transfer. Matt Coward. Matt, I see Matt Coward at, like, River City Roll all the time. Really? Um, so, awesome game, guys. But that was what put the, – the 2011 Final Four run does not happen without 07. Shaka Smart. Run, running the A10 for a few years does not happen. The 2007 team is what put VC put Richmond back on the map in terms of or put VCU on the map in Richmond. We became Richmond's team then. Awesome game, awesome experience, and the Kevin Harlan call is still one of my favorite calls in sports history. And I'll tell you guys from a guy that's always at the media center there at VCU from four years from 2011 to 15 as a student and then back there for every game this year. I get chills when I look on the wall and see the newspaper poster. Do you know what the headline is, Connor? I feel like you would remember this. I know the, the CAA title from 07 is Lord of the CAA Rings. I don't remember what the Maynard title is. It's something like Maynard outs Duke or something like that. I think, I think you're right, actually. They used to have that in Lombardi Market for years. Now that I think yeah, about it. Yeah, and, and so I just, yeah, I have such great memories of that game. Um, man, Maynard put on a show. Unbelievable. And that leads us to previewing the 5-12 matchup from – the round of 64 in this year's NCAA tournament. It will be Friday at 2 p.m. VCU against St. Mary's. Caleb, let me get your opening thoughts. I'm totally jacked up for this matchup. It's a contrast of styles, um, and not because VCU's you know havoc defense you know that everyone associates us with, um, but their tempo. I was looking at this earlier. They uh, their average possession length is 20.4 seconds which is good for 359th in the country out of, like, 365 teams or whatever it is. They play incredibly slow. So how do you defend that? You have to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined, and you cannot allow – you have to communicate extremely well because they're going to try and back backdoor you to death. Um, and their, their offense is super intricate. It's like watching the Golden State Warriors. But, I mean, you have to communicate, and you can't let a guy get picked in the back and uh, – and, 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 you know, run free behind you. Um, so keep keep your man between – or stay between your man and the basket is, is essential. And uh, if you're going to switch, you better communicate when doing so. Freshman Aiden Mahaney, uh, kind of – he didn't start early in the year. In the 33 games this year, he started 24 times. He came – it was the win against Gonzaga at home. I want to say the last week of January, first week of February. It was like an overtime win. It was like one of those late Thursday night games. That was kind of like the Aiden Mahaney coming out party. Dude's a baller. 
Uh, six three, so not huge, not huge. He's about a, he's about Mr. Glue guy size, right? Yeah, here he's like my size, so I hope they get physical with him. Yeah, but he I mean, he can hoop, and like Caleb said, good offense. I mean, Kempom offense nationally is fortieth. Their defense is ninth, uh, different style defense than us, but I mean, they're they're an efficient basketball team. I'm Adam. You asked Caleb how is I'm excited. Uh, I think this is a for the five seeds, probably a decently favorable match for VCU. I, the other five seeds were San Diego State, and, and I mentioned five because we kind of all knew we were going to get a twelve seed. It was pretty obvious. Yeah. San Diego State, if we would have played them, that would have been an ugly basketball game, and I feel like we would just lose like fifty-five to fifty-two. Duke is humming right now. Kind of don't love that matchup. Miami, kind of here or there, but I think St. Mary's because we, I mean, we know we to win this game, we have to out athlete them. We, we can shoot the ball well, but they're going to shoot the ball well too. We have got to out-athlete them, get on running. I want to see Jade Nunn like against Dayton. He got that steal, runs on the court, does the little up and under, evades the defender, uh, kind of backhand layup. I want to see guys running out, downhill, fast break, all that. Yeah, and just for the more casual fans to um, catch you up, they're in Gonzaga's league, so that's their main rival. Um, they went 1-2 and two against Gonzaga this year, and they were St. Mary's was ranked as high as number 15 in the country as late as late February, so they're – one of the top teams in the nation. Yeah, and they lost the last two games to Gonzaga uh, in basically the last three weeks. Yeah, um, looking at this from a scouting uh, report standpoint, they are not deep. They play six guys, and that's pretty much it. Um, Love that. Yeah, which, which is good. I mean, they, they will play some of their bench a little bit, but, I mean, the, the good chunk of their minutes are going to six people. Um, and like Connor said, I mean, they don't have a ton of size on us. Our guards are bigger than their guards. Um, we're about the same on the wing. And in the paint, they're a little bigger than us. But I think we can hang with them, especially with our athleticism. Um, so I think that we really need to dictate the tempo of this game um, because you cannot let them just pick you apart um, no. offensively. But I do think this is one of those games where, you know, I look at their roster, I look at that team, I think if VCU plays our style of basketball, we should be able to win. I always say, and Connor, I talked to you on the phone about this yesterday, so I think the best VCU team to ever make it to the NCAA was that year where we blow out, blew out Akron and then we lost to Michigan. And that's the team that I'm scared to play against. This is a team that can outfirepower us on offense. I don't think St. Mary's is that team. I think VCU wins a game against any defensive team in the country, but if somebody has a guy that could go off for 25 or 30, that's when I get worried. I think, you know, we don't need to play a perfect game. You don't need to play perfect games typically in the NCAA tournament unless you're like a 15 or 16, 16 seed trying to get a win. But if you're a 12 seed playing a 5 seed, it usually one happens every year, a lot of times multiple times. You need to play your brand of basketball. And the biggest thing in, in upsets in the NCAA tournament, and this, I think the, the line right now is what, four and a half, I want to say? I yeah, I think I yeah. saw four. It's so not a crazy five. line. But usually when you see upsets, it's because the team that is a lower seed has been dic- you mentioned dictating the tempo. They're the ones who the the, the higher seeded teams always always looks a little tight, a little uncomfortable, and that's what BC needs to do. I want to see the guys just constantly getting loose ball, loose balls. I want to see Jalen Deloach getting back taps, getting every single rebound. I want to see Jaden Nunn getting up, getting rebounds because that guy got some boards this weekend. And I want to see Jameer Watkins eat because I've been saying all year if he eats, we win games. And he ate, he ate some big meals this weekend. That's all I got. So he was a baller in Brooklyn, and I want to see that against St. Mary's because I don't think they have a guy on their roster who can guard Jameer Watkins in the open floor. What do you know about Logan Johnson? Didn't he win WCC Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, I think he's he's kind of like one of our guys. He, um, I think he's more of a slasher than a shooter. I think he, he shot sub thirty percent from a three point range. Um, so you can't you got to limit his penetration. Will he guard Ace? Uh, he will probably guard Ace. I bet we put none on him um, and put Ace on um, Aiden Mahaney. Um, maybe I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think it's a good matchup either way. Um, I, I like our matchup with their guards, honestly. Um, and like we said, you got to be pretty physical with Aiden Mahaney. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think that our guards can win that the the battle of the backcourt. And hopefully, if the Rams win on Friday, we'll do an emergency pod Saturday morning. You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein alongside. Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. Now it's time for AWOD's Energy. It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? All right, so for AWOD's Energy this week, I have to go back to the A-10 championship game when I literally did bring the energy 
Uh, I'm not sure what I did was legal at all, uh, but VCU was, I want to say, up by like two or three points. It was a close game in the second half. We had just taken the lead, gone back and forth. I think it was after the Deron Holmes three-point shot that he made at the buzzer. Craziest shot I've ever seen. He hit it with Jalen Dolch right, right in his mouth. Went to the bathroom, and when I came back to my seat courtside, I decided... I'm going to go try to say what up to my boys, Patrick Murphy, and the guys that made the trip up just for Sunday that I hadn't seen. And I went up behind the bench, and I could see you guys were ready to explode. And I just said, look, we can win this thing. Make some noise, and we can win this thing. So I want to get your guys' perspective on me bringing the energy to that section. I was feeling it, Awad. I was, uh, I mean, I was already ramped up. But then when you came over, I was like, he's right. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw some um, guy sprinting up the stairs, like throwing his arms. I was like, "Who is that?" And I was like, "Oh, it's Adam." <laughs> and everyone like responded, and like the whole crowd, the whole section started getting loud and took it from there. Fun fact: that Deron Holmes' prayer three at the end of the shot clock was with like ten to go. Um, that was their last made field goal of the game. Yeah. Crazy stat I learned later. I think it was. I think it was a little later. I think it was about five minutes ago. I think we were up two or four. And I see I'm on the corner seat, and I see you running up, and I'm like, Murph, Adam, it's Adam. He's here. He's here. And like, there's like we were all pumped up, and then you getting up there it was like. You were like saying this, we got this. Like, cause it was like a two, four point lead, but I mean, it was a close game late, and you're like, we got this, let's do it. And we won. And that was some energy. I agree. Yeah. No, it was fun. I, I did feel like, you know, if the crowd gave us a little more juice, that's what the Rams needed uh, to take it over the top and defeat the Dayton Flyers. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. You can always get in touch with us on social media at Black Gold Fan Pod. Loved meeting the guys from 3-Bid League and a few other podcasts. Shout out to By George. Had a fun time with them this weekend and met a bunch of listeners at the A-10 Championships. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us a voicemail. This one comes to us from Caleb's. What is, what's your relationship with this man? It's my cousin. It's your cousin, Andy. Love to meet Andy. Let's take a listen to Andy's thoughts. The A-10 tournament's one of the best tournaments around. I mean, going up to Brooklyn and seeing the fan base travel up there and just going around on the streets, just walking on the streets and seeing all the VCU shirts was just an awesome experience. And, and, of course, winning helps. And getting to Sunday is the main focus for, for the weekend. Going up this year to Brooklyn was one word, epic. Ram Nation showed up for real. We had fans everywhere. And the great thing about it, you just walk around with your VCU gear and you hear people say, go Rams, go Rams. And of course, winning it is what what makes it happen. But the experience at Barclays with their Peppas and this, everyone cheering and we had a comeback on the championship Sunday. It was one of the greatest comebacks ever. The win it means everything. And I can't wait to see what happens next. Go Rams. My question about St. Mary's is their front court is a lot bigger than our front court. Will we be able to manage to get by them with our quickness and still be able to box out and get rebounds? Yeah, Andy, uh, pre- appreciate the voicemail. And, uh, I don't know if we're handing out fan MVPs for the weekend, but you might get my vote. That was an uh, an awesome performance. <laughs> Absolutely. But, I mean, uh, he was he did not take off the VCU art sweatshirt. Yeah. It was too much of a good luck hoodie. Yeah, him and I left Richmond. I picked him up at 3.45 a.m. on Thursday morning, and, uh, it, yeah, it was an awesome weekend. It was definitely fun to have you guys as buddies there hanging out with us Thursday night and throughout the rest of the weekend. Uh, I, I do think we have to rebound against St. Mary's. That's how we came back and beat Dayton in the second half was team rebounding. I, I, I said in the pregame show, this is not a game where Jalen Deloach and Brandon Johns Jr. are going to win their rebounding matchups. Kamara and Deron Holmes are too good, but Jameer Watkins, Ace Baldwin, Jaden Nunn, the guards helped out with the rebounding, and that's what pushed Vichy over the top. Yeah, and to, yeah, to answer your question, I think that we have to wear them down over the course of the game. Um, like I said, they don't really go particularly deep, six six guys for the most part. And their power forward, Kyle Bowen, and their center, uh, Mitchell Saxon. Kyle Bowen is 6'8", 220, and Mitchell Saxon 6'10", 240. Um, I feel like Johns and Deloach have seen size like that all season, and, and they're capable of dealing with it, especially if – I mean, I, you know, I'm assuming here, but I think we are a little more athletic than them. And, uh, yeah, with our athleticism and depth, I think we, we grind them down and uh, 
hopefully over the course of 40 minutes, it's uh, it's enough. I want to see big minutes from Jameer Watkins. I just mentioned it, but he's a guy six foot seven can slide down to the four spot of Johns or Deloach need a breather. Big minutes, big rebounds. I want to see what we did against Dayton. A big team, huge front court. We were getting back taps the whole night, getting rebounded the heck out of the ball in the second half. St. Mary's a good team. Great question. Also, Andy, you were awesome this weekend. I just, just let you know. But, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you go ahead. No, I was just saying, I, like, I really like what you say about Jameer because, hey, on defense, they got to deal with him too. Yeah, and, he, you know, I don't know if they're going to have the, the foot speed to do that. He he looked almost like possessed this weekend. He, the way he was just getting rebounds and just running, so just really comfortable in his role. Oh yeah, it was it was awesome. But but that's how Andy. That's how I think we can win. Watkins sliding on the four when he needs to, just getting rebounds. And when Deloach gets in foul trouble, sometimes Johns plays the five, so she's used to playing a little undersized center. And yeah, shout out to Andy. He gave me security guard vibe, like he was following the crew around, just like a super tall guy, huge beard, just like the protector, kind of quiet, but. Yeah, great to hang out with him. Yeah, shout out to Manute Bowl. All right. Um, that was such, such an inside joke for everyone that was there at the tournament. All right, final thoughts here on the Black and Gold Fan Pod. I'll go first. This is an interesting note. The Big East final was down, dropping to just 980,000 viewers on Fox for Marquette's win over Xavier. Last year, Villanova against Creighton had 1.2 to 1 million viewers. The Big East championship fell behind... Not only all of the games mentioned above this year, but also got less viewers than the Atlantic 10 title game. How about that? It's pretty crazy. Right? Yeah. I'd say I mean, it's CBS great time slot for um, A-10 Sunday at 1 versus like Saturday night people are out doing things. And also like Marquette um, Xavier was like two Midwest teams. It's not like Villanova, Georgetown, or East Utah. Coast bias yeah, right here. Yeah. yeah, can't be having Midwest teams And it in felt the like everyone was watching. I mean, my, yeah. my friends from back home that aren't yeah. even VCU fans were watching. My dad's friends that like live in New York and Connecticut were watching. It was just a game to watch. And I think part of that was the fact that, unfortunately, this was a one-bid league this year, so you knew the winner was dancing. Yeah, I mean, very ugly at times, but I think that the, I mean, the A10 as a whole is a really good basketball conference, and uh, they deserve a little more notoriety for that. But that uh, this wasn't our year, but hopefully they get back to that. Uh, my final thought, man, it's it's March. Go out and play basketball. It's two o'clock Friday tip, which I'm excited for. But it's it's March. Do do play basketball like you did this weekend. Ace Baldwin leading the charge. I want to see Shriver. I think David Shriver is made. For March, he struck. He didn't play much against Dayton because they, they've really defended him well the last three or four halves. He is made for March. He's the kind of guy hits three or four threes. The crowd gets bumping. He's all over Twitter. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And final thoughts, Chris. Just it's fun to see VCU's name on the bracket. That's it. Damn yeah. straight. Yeah, absolutely. Super excited. Bring that VCU swag to the tournament. Once again, it was super awesome to be there at the Barclays Center meeting listeners, fans of, of my radio show that I do daily from 12 to 3. We got nicknames now for the crew. Stats over here. Chris Mason, you've always been the professor. Of course, I'm AWOD and Connor Bailey. Dates. How did you come up with that name? He knows every date you've ever heard of. <laughs> Dates, stats, the professor and AWOD here on the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Hopefully, we'll be doing an emergency pod on Saturday. Go Rams, go. We appreciate you listening to the show.